our main core value, cultural operating principle is we care more. So I'm spending time right now in each one of the facilities, really articulating that vision of what our culture is like. We care more about ourselves. That pours out everybody around us. So we care more about each other. And if we care more about each other and everybody feels good in the organization, that pours over to our customers. And ultimately, our customers create tremendous value for the world in serving patients and consumers. That's a big group of people. And so when we pour out into our customers, our customers pour out into the rest of the world. And so it becomes a bigger vision and it all starts with caring about yourself so you can pour into others. Welcome to the Strategy and Leadership Podcast, the podcast that brings you practical advice, lessons, and stories from senior leaders and thought leaders from around the world. The Strategy and Leadership Podcast is brought to you by SME Strategy, working with organizations around the world to create and implement their strategic plans. To learn more, visit smestrategy.net. And now, your host, Anthony Taylor. Hey there, folks. Welcome to today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. Before we get going on the interview, I just want to shout out to my friends, Affinity Group, Affinity Staffing in Vancouver. We're really great if you're looking to add some extra capacity to your team as you grow in 2023 and 2024. So visit them at affinity-group slash SME strategy. Oh yeah, .ca to check them out and learn more about who you can leverage Canadian talent to support your organizational growth. And speaking of organizational growth, today I get to chat with Keith Smith, who is the president and CEO at Vonco. How's it going, Keith? Wonderful. Thanks for having me today, Anthony. I'm so excited. It was neat to chat about Vonco products and what they're doing in the Midwest. And I'm a Bears fan at heart. I've got a couple clients in the Midwest there. And it's just so interesting company of your scope. I don't want to say it can go under the radar, but can build a big niche without necessarily making like front page headlines. But looking at the work that you've done in previous companies, looking at what you're doing now, it looks like you've really built something great. So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about you, Vonco Products, and then we'll get into the interview. Sure. I'll start with Vonco Products. It was founded in 1955, a machine building company, welding plastics, and they selling machines to providers of plastic products. And in the 70s, the son-in-law started with the company and said, hey, let's start selling the consumables instead of the machines. It was choppy sales. And it was a family-run business for almost 60 years. And I had found it and I had a desire to get into business myself after 25 years of working for somebody else and pretty good career, but moving up the ladder. But at the same time, I had a desire to really make a bigger difference for the world than what I was doing. And so I uh, bought Vonco in 2013 from the family and really was kind of a job shop mentality. And we've uh, transformed it into a medical device contract uh, manufacturer and consumer packaging company over the 10 years. And so we've done that through really a series of executing the strategy, organic growth, sales processes, improvement in the operations and technology. Then the second leg is innovating. We've launched some really tremendous products and as well as acquiring. So I'm actually sitting today in our latest acquisition in Fortville, Indiana. There's four facilities now and really have grown through those three legs, execution, innovation, and acquisition. For me, I started really in this industry just coincidentally uh, right out of high school and was a printer. So we make a lot of single-use medical device products and packaging that helps get products into the market safely. And part of that process is printing. So I started printing right out of high school 
and was just earning money to go to college and been here now almost 30 years and own my own company now because of it. But right off the production floor and work my way up through it to the point uh, where I really wanted to make a difference in both ways, create value for the world, but intersect that with the opportunity to fulfill my team's hopes and dreams, the entire organization. That intersection is what fuels me an owner and entrepreneur. That's awesome. I love that. Well, I get the privilege of getting to interview like great CEOs like you that have gone through that journey, but it's rare in my experience to really see somebody go from the shop floor up. Like you hear about it, but it, it doesn't happen so much. So obviously there's lots to learn there. And I bet that you take that approach or mentality of seeing all of it, being the guy at the bottom, so to speak. And then really like incorporating that, I can hear it in your voice to like, hey, really watching out for everybody in the company because you've been there and done that. I'm sure we'll talk more about that. But what I really want to ask you, what's that transition like from being a GM, director of operations in your previous role, now to like an owner president, like basically you're working for somebody versus working for yourself has there been a mentality shift? Has it been the same, except for you've got more at stake? Like walk me through. I mean, obviously it's been 11 years now, but tell me how that transition's gone. I've got some great stories. This is a good question. I spent a lot of time working off that corporate ladder and moved myself to the general manager of a half billion dollar division of Apples and Papers. It was a tremendous company that gave me a lot of experience and opportunity and hopefully they were happy with what I provided as well. But I also had a desire to go into business on my own and had a passion. It was a dream of mine since I was in high school of running my own business. It wasn't necessarily business for whatever reason, just was something in me that wanted to do this. And so finally I got the opportunity. So the whole company was a billion dollar company. And as you can imagine, there's you've got big staffs when you get to about a billion dollars and there's big team that I'm working with, almost over a thousand people conducting business for this division that I was running. And I buy a company that I could afford to be part of. And we're talking 60 people, family run for about 60 years and different mentality in that situation. And so that first week, I've got two partners. I made a call and said, holy cow, what a transition this is because the processes, the procedures, the condition of the operation, the way that we react and respond, completely different. And my partners talk about is like, oh my goodness, we all just made this investment in Keith. He's going to run this thing. We're all going to benefit from him running. And he just called, I think he's going to walk out on me (laughs) because it's just that big of a transition. So I think I was a bit underprepared for what that was going to look like, to be fair but certainly didn't change my mind that we needed to restructure this so we could be doing business with the top medical device companies and top consumer product companies like we do today. And so I just really (laughs) buckled down after that first week, put together a strong plan, and we just started the march to do that. And for me, I don't know that I was intentional and deliberate, but I've always just kind of rolled this way and put words to the way things happen. It's just, what is your next step? You have a vision to get here at the end, and I think leaders can get analysis paralysis too often in trying to figure out all the steps to get to that vision. I think the key is, what is your next best step? And you're going to learn next best step, and then take the next one, and the next one, and the next one. And that really has been the secret to actually get to where we're at today on that mark. 
brand new facility in Wisconsin after moving from Illinois, multiple innovations launched and patents and FDA clearances, as well as three acquisitions later, really turned this into a nimble yet uh, corporate feeling organization. Yeah, I love that. I think there's two pieces that I really took from that. Like, hey, you said, hey, I have no idea what I'm dealing with and paraphrasing, but like every organization is so different and especially kind of playing where you were before into the new role. And I see that with CEOs, managers, new companies, and they're like, whoa, like I'm so used to having this hyper-processized, really dialed in. And then you have like a family business whose processes have worked for them 40, 50, 60 years or whatever it's been. And they don't know any different until somebody else comes in. Not that they're wrong. You just don't know any different and it's been okay. But you as a leader, I heard two things that are critical. One is you're like, hey, I know the vision. The vision is simple. It's clear. This is what I want it to be. And also like not overcomplicating it because I tell leaders all the time, like you can't boil the ocean. There's probably a lot of things that you want to do but start somewhere. So like, what's the next best thing? And like you said, restructuring probably the team, restructuring some of the processes, moving forward towards building your innovation pipeline, getting your first location nice and tight, and then expanding from there. How was the change internally? Of course, without giving up any kind of secrets, were people on board with that new thing? Was there kind of some old guard, new guard? And I ask truly because a lot of our audience, a lot of our listeners are in these family businesses, are running these family businesses. These businesses have been doing things for 30, 40 years. And then we're on the cusp of disruption through technology, external pressure, financial pressures to be able to move forward those changes. It's not as obvious as one might think. So how did you go about it? What did you learn? What did you do wrong? Yeah, there were some challenges. I think part of it was that shell shock of the initial acquisition, the the initial purchase of Vonco products and how far off they were from that vision. And so I was maybe overly aggressive of trying to move them and us to that spot. So it was challenging amount of change that we were trying to bring in and as fast as we were trying to bring in. And we had along the way trying to achieve that. For the first five years, the vision was a little bit more focused consumer And we were pushing hard to move that towards consumer. Yet along the way, with really limited marketing towards the med device area, we received a ton of inbound opportunities. So maybe a little dense, sticking with my plan a little bit too long. But over the first few years, I started to realize, hey, with no marketing budget going towards healthcare, this is a big opportunity for us. We shifted gears year four, year five towards healthcare in a big way. And once that shift occurred, And we started to talk about what does a healthcare company look like, a med device company look like. That vision became very clear to everybody. And that march was a lot easier once we had that clear direction that aligned with basically what the market needed and what we had really a good relative ability to compete uh, in. And so it was easier to win. And so when things get easier to win, people get on board with that process. And certainly, we've added a lot of talent along the way. The leadership team is, for all intents and purposes, different than it was 10 years ago. So getting that talent around the organization that I can depend on and trust is a big deal all the way through the organization. And so finding that right team that had the experience, believes in the vision, and that you can say, hey, they got this. I can move on to the innovation. Once we have the execution, now I can move on to innovation. All right, now we've got an innovation pipeline, someone running the innovation. I can move on to acquisition. 
And so it allows us to work or me to work a much higher level in the operation versus working in the business. So certainly that was a big transition initially to work in the business. We hear that a lot. And the march was to try to get a team around me so I could work on the business as much as possible. I got that. What's the headcount now? We're at 220. Ooh, okay. How has that transition been for you? Leading an organization of 60 people as a, air quotes, new leader, now running a team of 220 distributed. How's that transition been? What are some key learnings that have that you've had over the little bit? Yeah, a lot of that was organic growth. The Let's call it the original company was at 60 or so, and now is 150. And then the rest of it came through acquisition. And I would say that's for a lot of my leadership team, it's come from major med device uh, companies. They're more used to managing this style and the systems are now in place to do it. Because of the first acquisition and the major transition, we knew what to expect for the most part when we bought these smaller family businesses. And I think the reason why a lot of these were ending up with these acquisitions is because they want a good family owned businesses, want a good transition for all their employees. Our main core value, cultural operating principle is we care more. And so I'm spending time right now in each one of the facilities, really articulating that vision of what our culture is like. We care more about ourselves. That pours out everybody around us. So we care more about each other. And if we care more about each other and everybody feels good in the organization, that pours over to our customers. And ultimately, our customers create tremendous value for the world in serving patients and consumers. That's a big group of people. And so when we pour out into our customers, our customers pour out into the rest of the world. And so it becomes a bigger vision and it all starts with caring about yourself so you can pour into others. And that's the big message that we send across. And so it doesn't matter if you're small facility or not, that mentality allows us to share the vision and understand we're going to move in this direction in a very caring way. And by caring about each individual, we're going to find the right spot that you're going to create the value for the world. I love that. So from a strategic planning perspective, really having that clear vision, really mission aligned, and then walking the walk in terms of your values. So I think that's awesome. As we wind down our interview, one of the things you talked about while we were chatting is the amount of work that you do as a CEO, as an individual, and the community of people that support you as a leader, because it also helps pour into you, but also helps you check your own bearings as you're leading 200 and really caring about people. Can you speak to or tell our listeners a little bit about some of the activities that you do to kind of maintain your health and performance as a CEO, if that question makes sense? Yeah, no, I think it all starts back to this. We care more about ourselves first. And I've added that intentionally. And that is important. Intentionality, be deliberate about what you do. And so one of the things that I've learned the hard way is not managing my energy. For many years, envisioned the selfless leader, the servant leadership style is that I give to everybody else and I get at the end. And it took a while for me to realize that servant leadership, I could be a better servant leader if I manage my own energy first. For I have this image stuck in my head that I'd wake up in the morning and I'd have a full bucket of energy. But as a CEO, as a leader of a small business, people need to kind of pick from that energy all day long. If I'm not doing something to manage my own energy, I end up drained by the time this day is over. And I've switched that around so that I'm managing my own energy so that I'm overflowing my bucket that pours into everybody so nobody can take my base energy. And so that starts with very fundamental things that I do for myself 
in the first two and a half hours of the day to pour into my own energy so I can pour in into others. And so from that standpoint, I've learned a lot based on some of the obstacles and challenges I've gone through. And I have a passion for giving back to entrepreneurs that way. So I have my own personal site and coaching site myself that I'd like to work with entrepreneurs to create that balance. And I think when you start creating that balance, you start to move away from having to force everything to attracting things and good outcomes to yourself. And so I like to flip that around for entrepreneurs that Yes, I do agree that you have to grind and I had to grind and learn and learn and learn along the corporate journey. But there's this point where it can turn into being attracting that success, not just constantly forcing and grinding where you have to sacrifice all parts of your life in order to be a successful entrepreneur. So it's this balance, I think, that can actually bring success versus just this constant 100% grind your entire life. I've never heard actually like overflow your own bucket. I've heard the like oxygen mask metaphor, but I really like putting that into place. And just out of my own personal curiosity, are you like a 5 a.m. wake up guy or are you like a 7 a.m. wake up guy? It's a five sleep. I need seven hours, but it's a 1030 to 530. I'm in the office by 738 and I've already poured so much into myself that I'm ready to go charged. And so A lot of different techniques. I focus on four tenets of energy, basically. My physical energy, my mental energy, my emotional energy, and my spiritual energy. So if you go to my website, my personal website, keithsmith.io, it talks a lot about this energy management. And that's kind of my personal mission to give back to other entrepreneurs. I love that. I was going to ask how people could connect with you. That's great. One thing that I've heard and seen from people is when they really kind of call it upset with their team or when they've had enough, they retreat and then they kind of go in because they have to do that energy management. But I really like the fact that when you like, you've got enough to give, there's enough to go around and you're like supporting others, but you have to support yourself first. So I think that's fantastic. People can connect with you online. Why don't you give us that website address? And if there's anything else that you want our listeners to know before we finish off today. No, I love it. If I can be of any help to anybody, shoot a note through my website, uh, keysmith.io. Got a fair amount of blogs out there talking about some of the high level stuff that we just talked about now. You can check out our products and role in the market at www.vonco.com. Awesome. I appreciate that. Thank you, Keith. Appreciate you joining me today. It was a really fun conversation. I wish you nothing but the best success in whatever next acquisition uh, you take on. Yeah. Thank you so much, Anthony. Great to be with you. Folks, my guest, Keith Smith, who is the president and CEO at Vonco Products. I think one of the cool things that I heard today, two mainly, one is making sure that your bucket is overflowing so that you can be a great leader for others because you're not being stingy with your own energy. Really, it's kind of pouring out of you. The other thing that I thought was really neat of Keith's journey is the long-term vision, the day-to-day steps. And I'm sure if Keith and I chatted for another couple hours, he'd share all of the ways that he messed up in those many years. But for you to remember as a leader that it goes slowly forward and really fast looking backwards. And when you have a large enough timeline and you give yourself a little bit of grace, you can accomplish a lot more than you think. So that's my invitation to you is really set that intention, give in to yourself, give in to other people and make some magic happen today. So once again, thank you, Keith, for joining me today. My name is Anthony Taylor. This has been the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. I appreciate you subscribing, connecting, reaching out and... We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please consider giving us a review. 
We appreciate you listening and following along, and we hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. And as Anthony says, until next time.